Our text is the last half of the gospel lesson, so you may follow along on the back of the bulletin as I read Mark chapter 13, verses 32 through 37. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or in the midnight, or when the cock crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. That's our text. What if all of a sudden someone ran through that back door and came down the aisle shouting, he's back, he's here, Jesus is coming back, he's right here now, the sky is full of angels. What would you do? What would you do? What would the elders do? What would the ushers back there do? Would you try to get a hold of that guy and say, we'll just usher him out of here, there's got to be something wrong with him. And what would the people up in the balcony do? Would you run down the stairs and then look up to the sky and see whether it's really true, Jesus has really come? Or what would we all here do? Would we all jump up and run outside to see whether it is really true? I doubt it. We'd all just sit here and wait for the ushers to take that poor guy out of here. Why? Because we don't expect Jesus to come today, do we? Anyone here expect Jesus to come today? No. No. Tomorrow? No. Next week? No. Someday? Yes. In my lifetime? No. In your lifetime? Probably not. But when? Someday. Someday. Our text for today tells us two big things. It does tell us this. He is certainly coming back. The second thing it tells us is no one knows when that will be. Now, because of the certainty of his coming back and the uncertainty of when it will be, he says to you and to me, watch, be alert, stay awake, because you do not know when that moment is going to come. And so that's what we're going to talk about in the next few minutes. The certainty of his coming and the uncertainty of when it will be. First of all, in our text, he points to the certainty of his coming back. It's not just a rumor. It really is a truth and a fact he is coming back. Now, our text takes place during the last week of his life here on earth. It is Tuesday of Holy Week. He is in the temple area. He has just taught the disciples a lesson on generosity by pointing them to the lady who had given the two copper coins, the poor widow. He has just done that. Now they are leaving the temple and cross, going out into the city. And the disciples look up and they see this magnificent building and they comment about it. Why, isn't this a wonderful, magnificent, beautiful building? And Jesus says, yes. But a day is coming when there's not going to be a building here that will not be one stone left on the other. 
Well, they go out of the city and they go up on the Mount of Olives and they are sitting up there and they're looking down upon the city. And then Peter and James and John and Andrew come over to Jesus and they ask him, what about this last day? When is this going to happen? What you've just talked about, when is it going to happen? And Jesus then talks to them about this and that's what's recorded in Mark chapter 13. And one of the things that he says is that you've got to be careful, you've got to watch out for it. One of the things you've got to watch out, he says, and this is so significant, he says you've got to watch out when it comes to this truth for false prophets. Because as the last days come, there's going to be a lot of crazies come along with a lot of weird and strange ideas. Watch out for them and do not listen to them. And then he also says, and there are going to be all kinds of signs about the end coming. He said... Always be alert to those signs. Whenever you hear about a rumor, whenever you hear a rumor of a war, just let that mean to you that a last day is going to be. And whenever you hear of war, then remember, there's going to be a last day. And whenever you hear of a famine, whenever you hear of an earthquake, just remember there is going to be a last day. That just like birth pangs signal that a baby is going to be born, all of these signs also say there is going to be a last day. And then he says this too. He says, as the last day gets closer, persecution of Christians is going to become worse. The hatred of Jesus is going to become more and more intense. That there are going to be more martyrs as a result of that. But he says, in spite of all of those terrible things, as the end approaches, you must keep preaching the gospel. You must keep preaching this good news of Jesus and salvation because that good news has to be preached in all of the world before that end time can come. So those are the things that Jesus taught the disciples, and they're all recorded in in Mark chapter 13. But the thing that he does is he really impresses upon the disciples there is going to be a last day. This world is going to come to an end. There is going to be a new heaven and a new earth. He impresses that upon the disciples with great intensity. And they believed it and they passed that on to those who followed them. You know, that in the New Testament there are 260 chapters. There are 260 chapters in the New Testament. And the second coming of Christ, the last day, is mentioned 318 times. In those 260 chapters, the end of the world is mentioned 318 times. And the early Christians put this doctrine into the creeds. All three creeds talk about it. Listen to it. We mention it every time we say a creed. In the Apostles' Creed we say, From thence he will come to judge the quick and the dead. In the Nicene Creed, which we just confessed a few moments ago, we say, And he shall come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And in the Athanasian Creed we say, From whence he will come to judge the quick and the dead, and whose coming all men shall and whose coming all men shall rise again. So there's no doubt about it. The church was absolutely sure that Jesus was coming again. Paul wrote about it, and Paul preached about it. Remember his sermon in Athens on Mars Hill. He ends that sermon, preaching that day, by saying this, He has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. There Paul was pointing to the last day, and to the Corinthians, and listen to this, the Apostle Paul, writing to the Corinthians, said this, 
talking about the Last Supper, whenever you come to, I mean, the Lord's Supper, whenever you come to that. He wrote this, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Did you ever think about that? That every time you walk down this aisle to come to the Lord's Supper, you're saying to the rest of the people in the church, you know something? There's going to be a last day and Jesus is going to come again. So Paul says, not only do we remind ourselves of this in the creeds, but every time we come to the Lord's Supper, we're reminded of the fact there is going to be a last day. Christ Jesus is coming again. Mm. That is certain. That is certain. And what a day it will be, of course, the scriptures point that out over and over again. Jesus is not coming by proxy. He is coming. And he told the disciples this. Now this describes the last day. At that time, men will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. And remember the angels, what they said to the disciples when they stood on the Mount of Ascension after they had seen Jesus ascend? They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way that you have seen him go. Huh? And then Revelation 1.7, John says, Look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. What a great day that will be. My great day of triumph and glory. Great day of resurrection. New heaven, new earth. All of these things. I think of this day when I visit the cemetery in Nebraska. I was there last Thursday. I always think of that this day, the last day, I stand there in the cemetery with all of my families, extended families. So that part of the cemetery where my whole family is buried. I think of that last day as I stand there. And what a day that will be, you see. And the Lord's going to come back and his voice is going to sound and every grave will, grave will be open and there'll be that marvelous resurrection and there'll be hugging and Talking and be a great celebration day. What a day it will be for God's people. It will be a tremendous day. What a wonderful, wonderful day it will be. For those who have rejected Jesus Christ, though, for those who have spurned Him, for those who have had no time for Him, it will be a terrible day, the Scriptures point out. A terrible day. A day of eternal judgment. A day of darkness. A day of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Why? How terrible. One thing is for sure, though, and Jesus pointed to it in our text, the certainty of that day. That day is going to be. But Jesus also at the same time pointed to the uncertainty of that day, when it will be. And listen to his words once again. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Now, in spite of those words, and uh, they, they are so clear. I don't know how we could ever misinterpret those words. Uh, but in spite of those words of Jesus, of course, down through the centuries, there have been all kinds of folks in generation after generation setting dates as to when it is going to be. The first date that was set in the ancient church was the year 365. 
And there were those who said, Jesus is coming back in 365. And the reasoning was this. There are 365 days in a year. Therefore, God has tied the end of the world to that 365 figure. And in the year 365, the world is going to end. Well, of course, that day came, that year came and went, and the end of the world had not happened. Then the next big date that was predicted was the year 1000, 1000. And that was gleaned from the book of Revelation. And when in 993, Mount Vesuvius erupted, and when in that same year, St. Peter's uh, Church in Rome burned, folks began to say, hey, that must, it, it, surely these are signs that the end is near and it's going to happen in 1000. And so everyone that was preached and taught and everyone was believing it's going to happen in the year 1000. So people actually sold everything they had and journeyed to the Holy Land because they wanted to be in the Holy Land when Jesus returned. And of course there were those folks who did not believe it was going to happen and so they also went to the Holy Land and they began to really scam the people. And there were scams in which they sold to people all kinds of souvenirs. Now, I don't know what the people will find the souvenirs were going to do with the souvenirs if the Lord indeed came. But the scam artists were there and they were selling souvenirs. You could buy tears of the Virgin Mary. You could buy a little bottle of tears from the Virgin Mary. You could buy splinters from the cross. You could buy scraps coming from the tents that the Apostle Paul had made. All of that because it was going to happen in 1000. Well, 1000 came and went and it did not happen. 1260 was another date that was uh, predicted, but again, it did not happen. When the Black Plague ravaged through Europe and killed and took approximately one-fourth of the population of Europe at that time, folks just knew that this must be the end of the world. This is a sign that it's very, very close. And when that didn't happen, then came the year 1666. And they said, well, 1666, that's when the year, when it's going to happen. And that's because of the number 666, the number of the beast, was in that figure, plus that 1,000 that was in the book of Revelation. But again, it did not come. William Miller, who is the founder of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, predicted that the world was going to end in 1833. When it did not, he then said, well, I misfigured it's going to happen in 1834. And when it didn't happen then, he said, I miscalculated. And he went back to the book of Revelation, and he said, it's really going to be 1843, and it didn't happen. Then he said, it's going to be 1844, and it didn't happen, and he quit predicting. But the Seventh-day Adventist Church continued. He was persistent, but God waited him out. Charles Russell, the founder of the Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, predicted that it was going to happen in 1874. And when it did not, he then said it's going to happen in 1914. But then when the First World War started, and those terrible things began to happen in Europe, there were folks who then began to believe him and say, my goodness, it must be so. The world is going to end. All these terrible things are happening. But of course, that was not. God waited him out too. In our own times, a man by the name of George Riffle, who supposedly, he said, discovered when it was going to happen in the Great Pyramid of Egypt. And he said the last day is going to be on September the 6th, 1936. Herbert W. Armstrong, founder of the Worldwide Church of God, said January 7th, 1972 is going to happen. 
more recently in our own time, Hal Lindsey, and perhaps you bought this book. I did. I don't know where it is anymore, but I bought it and read it. But he wrote a book by the name of The Late Great Planet Earth. And in that book, he had all kinds of things saying that the world's going to end in 1984. Well, it didn't happen, of course. One of the most recent ones, of course, they said it's going to end in 1998. And you know why? Because 1998 is 666, that's the number of the beast, multiplied by 3, the number of God. And so that would mean 1998. So there's always these conjectures, you see. And then there was 2000. And, of course, there were a lot of folks who believed that it was going to end in the year 2000 because that would double that 1000 that's in, um, in the book of Revelation. Well, the point is, Jesus said, no one knows. And that's true. But lots of people don't believe that, I guess. But people continue to conjecture and predict. I like what Jerry Falwell, I heard Jerry Falwell in a sermon say this one time, and I like, I like this, I think this is good. He said, if some fool would happen to predict the right day, God would change the day so that his word would remain true. And I think that's probably so. And then also Martin Luther, of course, said if someone comes, if you're planting a tree and someone calls, comes by and says, the world's going to end tomorrow, go on and plant your tree. Don't listen, don't listen to it. Well, he's coming. That's certain. When it is going to be, that's what's uncertain. And that's why Jesus, in putting these two things together, the certainty and the uncertainty of it, that's why Jesus then in our text says, be on guard, be alert. You don't know when the time will come. Therefore, keep watch, and do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. Well, that everyone, of course, that's, that's you and me. He's coming again. There's nothing standing in his way. You know, he does say this, the gospel must be preached in all the nations of the world before the, before the end will come. Well, of course, the gospel is being preached in all the world now, in every nation of the world because of modern technology and because of missionaries and so on, the gospel is being preached in every nation in the world. That part is fulfilled. That was the last thing to be fulfilled. So there's nothing that stands in the way of his coming anymore. But we don't have to worry about that because the gospel, of course, um, touches our hearts and, and, and shows us that in Jesus Christ, we have nothing to be afraid of. The end of the world, uh, the Bible says, Jesus said this too. He said, when it does happen, lift up your eyes. Look, look up. It's going to be a glorious, glorious moment. I've taken care of your salvation. Heaven is going to be your home. You have nothing to be afraid of. It's going to be a great triumphant day. I died for your sins on the cross. You are safe. Eternity is yours. Heaven is yours. You don't have to be afraid or scared or anything. It'll be a great day. And the evidence that that also is in the word, He is risen. But I know that this is going to be a great day for me because Jesus Christ is risen. He is what? He is alive and he is uh, watching over us. And so there's no terror for us in the last day at all. No terror at all. But he still says to us, stay away, be alert, watch out. Why? Because we can take it for granted, because we can begin to drift away from the Lord, because the devil can begin to pull us away even from our salvation. So he says, you, you've got to watch out yet. You're living in a dangerous world in which there are enemies that are going to try to destroy your faith and pull you away. So we have to watch, watch. And so you and I, as we hear this kind of text, we have to ask ourselves the question, am I watching? Am I watching? 
Huh? How about it? When people look at your life, do they see watchfulness? Does your church attendance show watchfulness? Does your stewardship show watchfulness? Do, does your witnessing to unbelieving friends and loved ones show watchfulness? Does your communion attendance show watchfulness? Does the example of discipleship that you are giving to your children and your grandchildren show watchfulness? Are you bringing your children to Sunday? Does bringing your children to Sunday school and Wednesday school and Christian day school show watchfulness? We live in the midst of a great harvest field. Does our working and serving in the midst of that harvest field show watchfulness? Well, when we come to a text like this in the scriptures, then we have to look at ourselves. We have to look at ourselves. And if we are not being watchful, then the Lord calls us to repentance. He calls us to change, and he calls us to be watchful. If we are watching, he says to us, keep it up. Keep it up. Why? Why? Because he wants you in heaven with him. That's why he says this. He wants you and me in heaven with him. In fact, the Bible says he already has your place at the table reserved. And so he says, watch, so that you'll be at that place at the table on the last day. Amen.